We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Namor NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company. Uh, coming at you Tuesday morning, it's May 16th. Joined by Wolves beat writer Chris Hine from the Star Tribune to discuss his profile of Anthony Edwards that published over the weekend. It was titled, What Does Anthony Edwards Want from Basketball? It's about winning and chasing the goat. Chris, uh, you and Ant, amongst other things, like the goat, uh, discussed a bunch of Different things for the article uh, in what was Ant's first time speaking to the media since the Wolves got eliminated from the playoffs. It seemed to me from the quotes in the story that he's kind of had some time to reflect on what was, of course, a kind of bizarre season with an abrupt end. And then you kind of dis- he disappears off into the whatever the players do in the offseason. We haven't heard from him uh, but it seemed like he had some time to reflect and he had the the quote to you just kind of that, that stood out to me reflecting on the season where he said, I left a lot out there. I know what I need to work on. I know what I need to get better at. And I just want to be in the best shape. My season was OK. It could have been a lot better. And I think that's a good place uh, to start talking about this and that it reflects on the season and looks forward into what the summer uh, will be for him. So talking to him for that interview, what do you think were the main things behind why he felt his season was okay? And then how do those kind of shape what this summer is going to look like for him? I think it's as simple as they just didn't win enough for him. And I think that's why mm. in part he feels like his season was just okay. Okay, um, That's kind of what he said in, in kind of the follow-up discussion about that quote they just didn't win enough and we heard him in the in the denver series say i can't be considered a young star in the league until i've at least made it out of the first round of the playoffs um so it all kind of goes hand in hand with just not winning enough to to satisfy him um I, i i think he took it a little bit on himself the fact that they weren't as successful as they were the fact that they you know maybe lost some of these games they should have won um you know and i think he has done a little bit of thinking about like okay so what needs to change in those moments in these games in a playoff game late or in a in a just a game in about a thursday night in january what needs to change for us to win some of these games and one of the answers he came up with is uh he needs to be shooting the ball <laughs> at the at the end of games and that is the right play for him at the end of games. Um, I, I don't get the sense that he's going to want to defer too much. And so that'll be an interesting dynamic to see like how that plays out between like him and Carl, you know, uh, at yeah. the end of games and who wants the ball and who's going to get the ball and, and what that's all going to look like next year. And, you know, they have an off season and a training camp to try and iron these things out, presumably as long as everybody's healthy and back over the off season. Um, and in training camp, we, you know, as we learned last year, we can't always take that for granted. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we'll, we'll see, but that, the, the, that stuck out to me is that I think he's done a lot of thinking about these end of game situations and what he needs to do to get better. And it ties into 
one of his ultimate goals of the summer, which is which we'll get to, which is to improve contested shot making. Mm -hmm. See, when I read that line about or the the kind of the whole segment of the article on, on late game offense, like I guess the the way I think about it in late game offense is that it already has been going through Ant, and you sure. know part of that obviously was Carl not being there for fifty two games. But man, I even think back to like his first year, like when when Ryan was the coach, and I remember Ant taking as many, in, at least in my head, as many late game shots, you know, as as Carl did. And you know, Carl comes back this year, and in those first two games, he gets that that shot, or he gets to the free throw line, hits those, hits the free throws to win the game. I think that was against Atlanta, and then the next game, he hits that three, uh, yep. like in transition against Golden State, and so like. Yes, were those like the last points of the game? Sure, but it it didn't really like signal to me at the time, particularly the three against Golden State, that it was like some sort of recalibration of the offense that was like, okay, late game, we're going to Carl, and now Ant is co-pilot. Like, I kind of feel like Ant is the pilot of those times. That's his mm -hmm. skill set. It's his position. Carl's position's harder to do that. It didn't stick out to me that he was like, I want those shots late because I was kind of like, you already get those. What I'm thinking about overall is how do you make late game offense better? How does Ant make his late game offense more efficient? What is his decision making there? How, where are the times when he does see a double and then he goes to somebody else in those, you know, whether that's the, the one time he kicked to Jaden in the corner and Jaden missed the shot against you, like those sort of things. It's a, right. It's an overall, like, how do the Wolves get better in late game offense? I don't think it's necessarily about the pecking order, because to me, I don't know, correct me if you disagree with this, but like, I feel like Ant is pretty clearly at the top of the pecking order in terms of late game offense, or he just takes it. Like, I just feel like Ant has been the guy there for a while. Yeah, I, I agree with you in, in part because Carl just wasn't there for yeah. most of the season. So that's just kind of what this team developed. And, but we saw how clunky it was at times just for, for them trying to figure things out in late game offense. It was clearly not one of the strong suits of, of this team last mm -hmm. season, but I wonder with Carl coming back, does he, does Carl try to say, Hey, we shouldn't be playing through ant in these moments. We should be trying to play through me a little bit more. Like, how about this I, wild I, I idea? How about both? Right? How about, how about an action with how both of them? Yeah. How about you both play off of each other? Yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. Like, exactly. So, like I said, we, there's a whole offseason. There's a whole training camp for them to, to figure this out, how this is going to work, what it's going to look like. So, And we know that Ant, Ant and Cat like each other. They get along just fine. You know, it's it's not – I don't sense it's going to be a, any sort of problem. Uh, they just have to get together and kind of just figure out – what's what's going to maximize everybody in the last three four minutes of a game um, yeah we we overrate what the who gets the last shot and i remember and carl was right. asked about I'm that with you, there. Yeah. you know uh, uh at his exit interview and Ant didn't have an exit interview but it's like we, i don't know we it's it's a an overly simplified line of questioning or like way to think about it, the one the way that it was i thought presented to carl like what's carl supposed to say like no, I don't want the ball late in games. I only want Ant to do it. Like everybody wants the ball it, late in games. It, it, sure. And and so it's like it's about finding, I think for the Wolves, it's about finding like a late game ecosystem that works that not only taps into Ant or Carl, but everyone. I mean, those we can picture it like what it's gonna look like if in game one of next season there's like a they're down by one and there's 12 seconds left. Like they're going to put two on the ball on Ant probably. Right. Or they're mm -hmm. going to try and take away, you know, Carl on the pop or whatever it's going to be. It's, I don't know. I just think late game offense, particularly in, in the league today, if it's not just one of those situations where like Jason Tatum or Jimmy Butler are just standing there like dribbling, dribbling, dribbling. Okay. Eight seconds. Somebody come set me a screen. Like, we think about that as being the last shot of the game, but there's so many other shots that happen uh, in late game offense. And those two should yeah. feed off of each other in they an should. awesome way. And and that's always been one of the things I've 
uh, just in watching the NBA that just drives me up a wall sometimes when teams just go dribble, dribble, dribble. Okay, eight seconds. Let's do something now. Right. And the Wolves certainly have fallen victim to that a lot last season. It's like why have why do you stop running your stuff? Right. Just because it's late game offense. Why? I mean, I get people get tired. You fatigue plays a factor. This and that. Um, but I think they have they have to find a way to run stuff or whether it's a play call, whether it's a or just running your offense in, in a late game situation, just get moving mm-hmm. above all, really get, get the offense moving because movement is going to help uh, teams from, if they double ant movement is going to help maybe get the ball back to him. Yeah. If, if the ball swings around with Carl, Carl is pretty good on the move, like yeah. get him moving, um, you know, get him going off the dribble potentially so I, I think that's one of the biggest things that the coaching staff has to figure out is what does our late game offense really look like and really drill down into how best to maximize Ant and Carl uh, playing together in those moments and and it comes down to as a whole but as to focus on, on the article it's like the idea of as you put it in there digesting the defense right and mm-hmm. and that it comes from like a an ant perspective right and reading the coverage, but overall, you know, the team needs to read whether it's late game or the second quarter, like how are they guarding us and how do we adjust accordingly? And I think to Ant's credit this season, uh, he got a lot, he got a lot better with that. And you, you talked to his, one of his player development coaches, Chris Hines, which is very confusing. I'm yes, sure to, yes. very much <laughs> to so. readers that Chris Hines wrote it in Chris Hines. <laughs> Uh, C. Hines, uh, Hines, as as we call him, um, just kind of talked about how Ant has seen uh, every defense now at this at this point. I think that really kicked in this year when when Carl was out and teams were like, all right, like fourth quarter, second quarter, first quarter, whatever. Like this is if we could turn the water off here with Ant, then we'll live. you know, with, with elsewhere, what, what stood out to you about not only what kind of C Hines told you about, uh, in, in Ant's growth of digesting defenses, but what, what Ant said to you, uh, there as well about how he's kind of learned that element of the game that it's not, once you're at his level, you're not going to just see one defense. You're not just going to see one defender. It's going to be a diversity of coverages. The big thing in that section, and I think that C. Hines talked about, was the term accepting the defense. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, it's digesting what teams are going to do, and you have to accept that and adjust accordingly. And accepting that means if the best play for you is to give up the ball because they're double-teaming you, you know, yeah. beyond the three-point line, then you need to give up the ball and accept that you can't try to dribble around it mm-hmm. or make things happen. Just get off the ball and and see what happens, mm-hmm. and then make them pay for that for a couple minutes, and then maybe they get out of it, and then you can get back into you know what you maybe do best and, and skill. And you're back more involved in the game. It's accepting the defense. It's staying engaged in moments like that when they're trying to take you out of the game or trying to disengage you from right. from the game um and i think that's been a, a growth process for him that necessarily wasn't there in let's say year two mm-hmm. um and i just think with ant overall you know i think everything has been a very gradual process with him through three seasons i think we've seen him the the growth is they talk a lot about his growth and it doesn't always happen right away when it comes to breaking down defensive coverages or reading or reading defense or making the right play, things like that. But I do feel like it happens eventually. Yeah. Like it, 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 they get to that point eventually with him. And I think that's an encouraging thing for moving forward is that it doesn't always happen overnight. He has to see it a lot in games to finally adjust to something as opposed to seeing it on film mm-hmm. or being told something on film. But if he sees it enough, he's going to adjust to it eventually and make the right the right plays or, or do the right things. So I think that's one of the encouraging things over his three seasons is it doesn't always click in right away what he needs to do or, or, or how he kind of absorbs this information, but he does absorb it and he does adjust. 
And I think we've seen that over three years in his in his growth. Yeah, I think he I think initially he came into the league as like a hands on learner. Like mm-hmm. I need to, whether it's coverages or or honestly, like I kind of see it on the defensive side with him more of like learning what it feels like to get picked or navigating a screen or on the offensive side, you know, navigating coverages in that sort of way. I think where I saw him grow or heard he grew this year was like kind of coupling that together with film. Like maybe he, they showed him the film and then he goes, okay, I felt it hands on on the floor and, and I adjusted to it early on in his career. It seemed like it was all just, whatever happened on the floor and and once you're like star elevates in the league you do see so many more of these coverages you see so many more of these things that you you have to learn how to navigate different coverages uh of the, of the way that you're being guarded and and I think Ant has grown with that with his his development staff and and individually and I think now he's the next part to navigate is like aggressiveness through coverages like what what are the coverage what are the times when i can be super aggressive like and and that's why i I like that nobody in the article said i'm gonna take what the defense gives me because i feel like that is the most messed up like mentality to go into any sort of coverage (laughs) because what they are giving you is what they want you to do and i I really liked c hines line with which was like his growth is to accept the defense more, like you said. Okay, this is how they're playing me. If you play a drop coverage, I have to get downhill. He's starting to read that. And yeah. like, what what is a drop coverage, right? They are giving you yeah. the mid-range. So what C. Hines is saying is actually don't, don't settle for that. Don't right. take what the defense is giving you. Go and get what they're trying to take away, which is like a distinction to be made at different coverages, right? That's a pick and roll coverage. Whereas when they are just bringing that double up, like on him 30 feet from the basket, well, you can't, that's different. You have to give it up in in that situation. There isn't, there isn't something to be taken there unless you can, you know, kind of maybe split it if they're weak with their coverage, but if they're executing it like effectively, it's that distinction between like what they're giving you and what they're taking away. Those are different sort of things and I think Ant is growing in that and ultimately will be kind of we will elevate his ceiling as he better understands that as he becomes 22 23 24 years old in the league and and yeah I I take from this year that he has grown in that after you know honestly kind of having come into the league not really having had a lot of skills in discernment uh, uh of what that is but I, I, I've heard Ant say too many times early in his career, I'm going to take what the defense gives me. And that that isn't going to be uh, the best thing. And I think he has the right people in his ears to, you know, to kind of push forth the idea of, all right, there's some nuance here, right? It depends where you're right. seeing the coverage uh, in, in that sort of way. So I just think there, there's so much there's so much ceiling for for Ant to be able to tap specifically in this in the way that he's being guarded. It's a good point about the about the drop coverage where it's like, listen, they're in a drop coverage in part because they don't want you to get to the rim. Yes. Like they're afraid of you getting to the rim. Mm-hmm. This is why they're playing this kind of coverage. Yes. So but you're good enough that you can still get there and mm-hmm. still beat it. Yes. You know, and and if you do get there, it's gonna open other things up in the offense and if you just settle for mid-range after mid-range jumper you yeah you can hit a few of them but you're not good enough at the mid-range consistently enough to make that a valuable mm-hmm. possession but you are great going to the rim and generating things off of that so i think it's also kind of making him understand that we know ant would you know earlier versions of ant would just take that mid-range jumper yeah. all all day Give it like, this me. is a good shot. Yeah. 15 feet, 15 feet, I'm open. Right. Like, I'm going to take that shot, right? But, but the reality of this, this situation is he took 449 shots from mid-range this season and made 37% of them, and he took 569 shots from three-point range and made 37%, 37% of, them. of them, right. <laughs> you know, and about <laughs> so the same somebody, amount at somebody, the rim. Somebody needs to put that on a, bla- on, a, on a whiteboard for him and just do the math. Like, yeah. look, at 37%. 
equals this many points. 30 right. from three point range equals this many points. Like, yeah. And and <laughs> it's not an intuitive thing because if you weren't playing basketball with a like a thinking about it that way coming up as I don't think any of us were when we were 15, 16 years old, right? You're mm-hmm. like, I'm just trying to get buckets. Uh, that right. is the nuance. That is part of the nuance of of growing an NBA defense. Chris, let's uh, let's grab our first break here. Uh, come back. I want to want to talk some more about the the getting to the rim part and how C. Hines called that uh, ants superpower. So we'll be back with Chris here in a minute. Today's show is brought to you by Land and Lore. And did you know that research shows looking tired negatively affects your ability to be successful? If life wasn't hard enough, right? But a study in the Sleep Journal found that individuals who were perceived as tired were less approachable than others. So good luck getting that raise, that girl or guy or that prospect you're trying to land if people don't want to be around you. But don't worry, Land and Lore has you covered. At Land and Lore, they created products designed to wake your face up. So if you spend all night watching reruns of Ant putting it on Gabe Vincent or Pat Bev dancing on the scorer's table, they got you covered. And as fans of the Timberwolves, they know life isn't full of highlights, so they have one for you. Use promo code 20 caveman at checkout on amazon.com to get 20% off their two best items, the face cleanser and moisturizer. That's 20 caveman for 20% off land and lore face cleanser and moisturizer when you purchase on Amazon. Today's show is brought to you by Falling Knife Brewing Company. And I wanted to let you know that Britt Robson and I will be doing a live show at Falling Knife on June 1st for game one of the NBA finals. We're going to do a little live show Q&A sort of thing can answer Wolves questions, finals questions, whatever. We'll do that at 6.30. Then the game starts at 7.30 p.m. We'll hang out there. You can watch the game in the tap room on the TVs inside. They'll also have their TV truck outside. Uh, so you can watch out on the patio if you want to bring a chair in the parking lot. Uh, set yourself up there with, with Falling Knife Spear. So put that on your calendar. June 1st, live show, Britt and I, 6.30 p.m. Game one of the finals then starts at 7.30 p.m. We'll watch that all together. I'll keep reminding you about this uh, in the coming weeks, but that is coming up on June 1st again, 6.30 p.m. Uh, live show, 7.30 p.m. is when the game will tip off. And then also, quickly, uh, May 19th, the Link season opener will also be showing at Falling Knife Brewing Company. So if you're looking for a place to go check that out, put that on your calendar as well. That's Falling Knife Brewing Company, Northeast Minneapolis. All right, we're back with Chris Hine from the Star Tribune. We're talking about uh, his feature story he wrote on Anthony Edwards uh, over the weekend at the Star Tribune. I mean, there's a it's a long article, a ton of different quotes. We're, we're hitting on a few of them here. Even but... much longer than I told my editors it was going to come <laughs> in, which is which is, a, which is a habit for me. I always, I always say, hey, hey, everybody, it's going to come in at, at like, uh, I think I told them like 40 inches, 40 column inches, which is like... 1200 words in in newspaper this one was a fatty this one was about 2000 words this was this was athletic length (laughs) that that made actually it's a light athletic piece i should i should say 2000 words some athletic pieces they're just getting warmed up john's just clearing his throat after 2000 correct (laughs) brit brit 2000 is barely an introduction sometimes for brit so uh, no, it, it was good, and it tied it tied together um, a whole bunch of different things. With the off season is obviously the the off season's loaded uh, for Ant in in a ton of different ways, which uh, we'll get to here. But I want to I want to keep talking about the as we're talking about digesting the defense and and the necessity to get to the rim, even if that's what they're trying. The defense is trying to take away. I thought it was interesting, and obviously you did this intentionally in, in your article where where C Hides was like. Ant's superpower is getting to the rim. And then Ant goes, I don't think my superpower is getting to the rim. (laughs) He's like, I'm a scorer. I don't pride my game on just getting to the rim. I hate when people say that I work too hard to be somebody who finishes at the rim. I can score the ball with the the best of them, which obviously, you know, C. Hines uh, feels feels as well. But it's, again, it's as we were talking about with those numbers. It's like, what's, what's the balance? And you... Or I, even though we were kind of joking about some of those mid-range numbers, like that is, we know that that's a necessary part of the game. It's only 24 seconds on the shot clock. There's broken plays. Ant has the ability, you know, to get a clean mid-range look on his own whenever he wants, which a lot of people don't, you know, that it might just stall out and be a 24-second call, right? Like there is value in Ant being a scorer on all three levels. He is already that and will become better at the, those sort of things it's just about finding right the 
the balance of of your shot distribution. And that's been, I mean, I just know from us asking Finch about that over the course of time. Merrill Finch was like, yeah, like NBA players today, it's like a point of pride to be able to like isolate and score in the mid-range. Kind of like the Kobe whatever the, the the Kobe style of offense which is fun and there's a time and a, a place for that but I think what C. Hines is ultimately talking about or what Finch has alluded to in the past is like let's remember what the best things are when all three options of rim mid-range and the three-point shot are there let's focus on the ones that derive the most points um, for them and so I think I think it gets that he also just doesn't want I mean is that how you took it of him just saying like I don't want to limit myself to being right. one thing, or I don't want to be viewed as Giannis. And I and I didn't really, I didn't get this in the in the piece. I had to leave some things on the cutting room before I couldn't include every quote that I got from from man. But one of the things that's that why you come on of, this podcast. That's, that's right. Like, all that's right, right, here we go. That's correct. Scoop it up. So one of, one of the, I mean, one of the things that he takes pride in is he takes pride in being a good shooter. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I, at one point in the interview, um, I'm, I'm trying to find it here. Um, he, I was talking to him just about like his shooting and it was kind of right around the time he, he said that quote. Um, and you know, I, I, I here it is. Yeah. You know, I, it's hard to, con- I asked him like, is it hard to constantly go to the rim as much as you do this, this, and this and things like that. Um, you know, but he and we got to just his mid range shooting, his three point shooting. You know, he's like, I was like thirty seven percent from three point range. He's like, I don't think that's too bad, especially for somebody that they said couldn't shoot coming at, <laughs> coming into the draft. That was kind of that was basically the quote. Right. Um, so he he is determined, right. I think, to be known as a good shooter in this league. Mm-hmm. That that's something that drives him and has driven him from the time he came into the NBA. Right. Like like now I'm going to prove you guys wrong. You don't think I can shoot? I can shoot. And I so, think he has, Chris. I mean, at least think, from three-point right, right. range. Like he's 569 threes, 37%. That's, 37%. that's great. That's, that's not bad at all. Absolutely. Yeah. He's he's done a really good job of becoming a good three-point shooter mm-hmm. in three seasons. It's it, it's all credit to him and, and the work that he's been putting in with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he that's a big part of his identity. I, I think it is. He recognizes that he, he that his superpower is getting to the rim. Mm-hmm. But don't sleep on the fact that he wants to be known as a really good, dangerous shooter. Which is, I think, his way of like also wanting to be viewed as right the the Kevin Durant, the the mid range shooter, the Kawhi, yeah. right? Like, wait, I can actually be elite here as well. And I'm just like pulling up, like <laughs> this is crazy. Like, just looking at Kevin Durant. Yeah, those from, guys' mid range percentages are a lot I, different than. His I'm just are. looking <laughs> at it. KD's long mid-range, which is, what is that, like the 14-plus feet, the last five years, 54%, 52%, 56%, 57%, 58%. I mean, Ant is in the low 30s, which doesn't mean he can't get there. But I think to your point, that's what he aspires to be, right, is not only elite at the rim, not only a high-level three-point shooter that can create from himself, but also someone who can create from that long mid-range area when necessary. Yeah, here it is with him. And 25% from long range, long mid-range, his rookie year, 35-35, the next two years. There's a there's a gap there. And I think, honestly, whether the coaches want it or not, he is going to try and bake that into who he is because, to his credit, he wants to be elite at everything. And, you know, at, at 21 years old, given how much he's shown already, we can't really rule that out, right? We, we can't mm-hmm. say he's not going to be able to, to be able to, to do that. We're always going to say the better shots for him, as we would say for KD, are going to be threes and at the rim. But it's when you have a usage as high as these guys do, to have that usage be that high, it's not going to just be threes and, and at the rim. Yeah. And I think Ant knows that, right? He knows to be the 30-point scorer that he wants to be, he's going to also need to be, yeah, he's going to need to create at all three levels. Correct. And I think that's that's the key thing is he's going to have to take it. For somebody who has the ball in his hands as much as he does, for somebody who takes as many shots as he does, he's going to have to take some mid-range shots. It's yeah. just, like you said, it's just going to happen in the course of a game. Mm-hmm. Or that's It may not always be the intent of a possession, 
but it's just going to come about when somebody has the ball at as high usage rate as he does on a night in night out basis. So there's no sense in just shooing it or saying, don't work on your mid range game right. because you shouldn't be taking those shots anyway. No, like if he's going to be taking those shots. He's got to work on it. And, right. and that's another focal point of his summer um, with the contested shot making. Cause that's, that comes from the mid range. It comes from three point range. It's all, it's all over the court. Um, so yeah, it's a, uh, it's a kind of have to live with it. Hope he gets better. Hope he can approach fifty percent from from the mid range to make it at least worth the while. Right. Um, if he's going to take a high volume or higher volume of it, so it'll, it'll be fascinating to see kind of kind of next season what that shot mix looks like for him. Right. Um, Particularly with and, Carl back in the mix. Right. It was Carl. Yep. 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 Like Ant, I, I was looking this up. Amongst wings, uh, as cleaning the glass does it, only three players had a higher usage rate than Ant did this season. Devin Booker, Cade Cunningham, and and Paul George. I you know, you wouldn't want to say that a player's usage is going to go down from age twenty one to twenty two, but given the circumstances of not having Carl for fifty two games this year not really having a chemistry with Rudy over the course of the year. Like you would think other air, other buckets of the wolves um, are going to be filled up or there's going to be the demand to fill them up from the coach or from those other players. And that part, that's like the adjacent part to this wanting to expand his game and be more and more is like, all right, but what is the rate at which the frequency with which you do your thing versus you uh involving other players and and that's going to be the tricky balance right and and like you said with the training camp and you know knock on wood having everybody around i think you can kind of hammer out some of those sort of things even even this summer right i mean you got some good anecdotes from him about who he's going to be working out with this summer or what his what his plans are there i mean i think that stuff's critical in in terms yeah. of particularly given it was his first year with Rudy or didn't get to play with Cap much this year. Honestly, figuring that that stuff in July, August, before you get um, to training camp in September is going to be really valuable. So what, what did he say in terms of um, what his plans are for working out with working out the summer specifically and, and who he's wanting to, to work out with? Yeah, most of the summer he's going to spend in Minnesota, which I think is a, a little bit of a change from last summer which i think was spent a lot in atlanta or some of it in atlanta mm-hmm. yeah um, i think atlanta and la i think yeah, that's where he was yeah yeah so no he said a lot of it's going to be here mm-hmm. um and that's in part because he wants to work out with some of the younger guys on the team he wants to work out with Jaden, um you know and, and have Jaden, you know guard him yeah. <laughs> in in, in awesome. workouts and which can i think benefit both of them if uh, if if that's going to be a battle throughout the summer, the two of them going. I mean, at who it. better um, who better to practice against if you're either of them? I mean, I know that's what right, you're exactly, kind of saying, that's exactly but like, it. It's like if Jaden's going to become the best defender in the league, who better to, for him to go against than Anthony Edwards? And if Ant's going to become the offensive player he wants to be, who better for him to right. go against than Jaden McDaniels? Over no the brainer. Summer? Yeah, like it it makes a lot of sense. Um, he wants to go to France, or he's planning on going to France uh, with Rudy. They've talked about it. Um, Rudy's going to pay for everything allegedly. <laughs> that that was one of the one of the quotes in the article. Rudy got all the money, as yeah. Ant says. Um, so, so all expenses paid trip to France coming up for Ant, which is very exciting for him. We'll see how um, cheapskate that is based on <laughs> when he signs his uh, extension, because yeah, 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 Ant, it's going to be up in the. Well, I guess it won't start next year, but it. That's kind of what I reminded him of. I'm like, hey, you're going to be far behind there, buddy. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, well, I think... And, and possibility, um, I didn't talk to Ann about this, but um, possibility he'll be playing for the USA in the FIBA World Cup this year as well. Which, um, that was... We'll see, a, we'll see if that comes to uh, comes to fruition. Very interesting anecdote in there. I mean, I, I've just kind of thought, or you and I have talked about this, of like, just the Olympics are in France next summer and you know we're wanting to go there to to cover that and you know because it's Rudy and I don't know probably playing with like Wemby and all that but it'd be really cool if Ant is on the the USA team for the Olympics in 2024 and kind of 
the first step in that process would be playing, you know, this year with the team, which he, he did. Was that, that he was, was on a select, he was on the select. What, the select team two summers ago. Is that what before, it was? Uh, before they went to Tokyo. Cause he that rolled was, his ankle. That was in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 2021. Cause the Olympics were delayed a year because of the pandemic. That's what it was. So in the summer of 2021, he was on the select team, but like rolled his ankle the first day or mm-hmm. something like that. If I, if I remember. Wasn't Nas um, there too at the select team? Just I like think young... Nas was there too. Yeah, I think yeah. Nas was there. Um, this is really good reporting uh, by us here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really good research. Um, yeah, I think they were both there. Yeah, um, if, I, if I recall correctly, now you're, you're you're bringing up memories. Yeah, well, I didn't now. even know what year it was, but anyway, I, I think like, I mean, in all seriousness, in 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 Ant's like overall sort of growth into being this star, we we have enough anecdotes over the over the course of time of the value of that right and the value of being around other star players and the whole like iron sharpens iron however that goes uh saying i mean i think ant really can and will benefit from that being on the olympic team and being around uh people like that and i mean the the quote from your article that really like got all the pub and i think is is you know, somewhat related to this Olympics idea is his pursuit of MJ. And, yep. and I think like, that's a lot of where MJ and in, in his career, as I remember it, um, kind of made that turn into being like the dude in, in the league, right. Was mm-hmm. magic and bird later in their careers. And he, that was kind of like the, the competition. I, I would just love to see ants, in that environment and to the extent that i know ant really i I think he would thrive in in high level competition like that playing against the best of the best players on his own team in practice and that is probably a step in the process of his extremely lofty goal of of wanting to be the the best shooting guard uh of of all time which really means the best player of all time but um i'll just ask you about that that mj quote he gave you what was what was that like yeah, that 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 was a an anecdote that C. Hines uh, shared with me first, um, stemming from when they first started working together. Um, I think it was kind of like after his first season or like late that season, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And he, they, like C. Hines, just wanted to have a conversation with them, and you know, he wanted to say, "What's your goal here? What's your goal for your career?" You know, and like be honest. Right. Like, do you just want to make a lot of money? Do you want to be like a good player? You know, how how hard do you really want to work? And Ant said, I want to be the best shooting guard ever. And C. Hines is like, well, you know, Michael Jordan played shooting guard, right? <laughs> and it's like, that's basically the tone of the conversation. It's like, that's who you got to get mm-hmm. if you want to, if you want to be the best shooting guard of all, of, uh, of all time and the work and the dedication that that's going to require. So from that day it's it's kind of been like yep that's 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 who's in who's at the top of the list right that's who i have to aspire to to get to if there um, isn't if there isn't a i'm chasing my boy mj shirt on jake's graphs in the next like month then jake you're slacking uh that or that or rudy got all the money or something rudy. like that like, like that's, well that one has like a negative connotation <laughs> my boy mj yeah and you can just kind of hear and you can kind of picture ant saying it or hear him saying that like with like kind of a smile on his face like that's that's definitely that definitely came across like right when we were when we were chatting about that little that little story for sure and can- and of course yeah that bleach report and all them picked up on <laughs> on that and you wouldn't know that there was a whole 2000 word story behind never behind that anecdote because they just clipped that quote and ran with it this is random, but you worked uh, for the Chicago Tribune for what eight years? Yeah. Um, yep. I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this. Um, and and obviously this was this was after the Michael Jordan's time uh, in Chicago. But I've started. I've found myself. I, I mentioned this on the pod a while ago over All Star Break. I rewatched uh, the Last Dance, and it was different to you know kind of binge watch it all rather than when we were watching it, you know, week by week during the pandemic. And 
and you know, and obviously extremely lofty goal for Ant to be wanting to be MJ and all those sort of things. But I, I don't think it's like the most, it's not an outlandish goal, right? He has the, he has the skill set to be able to be a really special player in the league. There's, there's no doubts about that. Players around the league have, have, have talked about this too. This isn't us just gassing him up. But I, my, my question to you is like, what sort of like cultural impact do you think Ant can have here in Minnesota, Minneapolis, in the ways that MJ did there at that time when he was, you know, granted it was it was years down the line. I think Jordan didn't you know make the playoffs or advance in the playoffs until like his mid twenties, something like that. Um, but what parallels do do you see between the two of them, not just as basketball players, but kind of as you know, kind of beacons in in the culture of of where they play. Yeah, I think some of it has to do with style of play, how exciting yes. and entertaining it is to watch them play. I think that plays a huge factor in it. Boom, because it's exciting. It was exciting in the, in the eighties to watch and early nineties to watch Michael Jordan do what he did before he won six titles. Like he was just an exciting player to watch. Uh, Anthony Edwards, exciting player to watch galvanizes the arena, galvanizes the fan base when, when he's got it rolling. Right. Mm -hmm. And everything that goes with it, his personality, the charisma, the, his, his smile, his energy, Right. All of it, like it, it, it's kind of a, a similar vibe in that way. To like this, he he's caught on very quickly because of who he is as a person and how he plays the game. Uh, I think that's a big part of it. Is you you just derive joy from watching him play the game, mm-hmm. and that's who he is tends to be as a person off the court as well. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how this you know, this goes from here, you know, Jordan played in Chicago. So you, you know, it's one of the larger markets, obviously. So, but, you know, but, but the bulls but were down I, it bad. doesn't matter. They were but down listen, bad. Listen, it, I don't think that matters as much as people tend to think it does. Mm-hmm. I mean, Giannis has become a, a, right. a huge star playing for Milwaukee. Um, you know, so I, I, I don't think the size of the market is going to be necessarily a hindrance, mm-hmm. um, but you know, ultimately, winning is gonna is gonna determine all. Right. You know, you got you got to win. Mm-hmm. Jordan didn't really become Michael Jordan right. until he finally started beating the Pistons and and winning titles with the Bulls. Um, Which, again, so. just from the documentary, like re remembering that that was so long into his career, right? Like, right. And we in, he was how old when he won his first title? Was it thirty? Twenty nine, thirty. That was was 90-91, right? Yeah. 91 would have been his first title. So that would have been like his seventh year in the league at that point. 27, 28. Like, and and even the part, now that I have his page pulled up here, like, his first year in the league was at 21, you know? Like, that's just the the difference. And so, like, back then in the 80s, like, the development of your teens and early 20 very early 20s was developed in college right and and that and that's just different today right it's a it's a completely the guys come into the league lebron came in at 18 and came in at a young 19 and it's like i have to remind myself often how much more time ant has before the normal line of when we really historically put expectations like elite expectations on players, right? Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with Anthony Edwards not having got out of the first round of the playoffs by age 21. Yeah. Now, I don't know if he agrees with that. Uh, Right, right. I I, I agree with you. I mean, first of all, in in, uh, for a number one pick to be in the playoffs two of three seasons, I feel like is kind of rare. Totally. In in the NBA nowadays. Not to mention what Um, he's done in the playoffs individually. Yeah. Yeah, both of those years. I mean, as actually as last time you were on here, you know, we were very down on this team overall. The night after the 
uh, you know, the, the season ended after, after game five there, but, mm-hmm. you know, as, you know, we get it as we do as well. And the, like the players do, you know, you take a step away from it and you look back at the picture as a whole, those are the things I'm reminding myself of, of even the greatest player of all time. It took him a really long time to be, not to be an all-star. He was an all-star as a rookie, but yeah, but to be to a winner. Door. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Yeah. And, and that should require patience on all levels, the fan base, the media and, and himself and understanding that this is, uh, this is a long climb to, to be what his stated goal is, uh, you know, to be, if not the best player, one of the best players in the league or one of the best players, um, of all time. I'm just, I don't know. It was just interesting, like rewatching that documentary after having seen Ant grow up a little. I watched it for the first time. I think that would have been his rookie year, or even before he played. Right, it was during COVID. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's like I, I don't know. Rewatching it, I was like, oh yeah, like this has a different arc than right. than maybe we all expect or put on. Uh, some of these players and at 21 for Ant to be having these goals and for them to not seem completely outlandish is, is really, uh, you know, there's a lot of power in that. And I don't think that's us blowing smoke. I don't think it's Patrick Beverly when he says these things or Paul, the, the players who have really heaped praise on him. I don't, I don't think it's outlandish. It's, it's seeing a ceiling that is so high that is, really untapped like we were talking about with the defense I mean, there's so many small things that ant can do that he's not doing right now and he's already a really really good player um i don't know i'm just i'm encouraged by the idea that again from some of these quotes in in your piece that he's aspiring to that and he he seems to be taking uh the right steps to to move in in that direction. Chris, let's let's take another break. I want to talk more specifically about what this summer looked like. He, he talked about being in the best shape and some of those other things that we, have, we haven't touched on here. I think that stuff uh, is critical. So we'll grab another break uh, and we'll be back with Chris to dive into the, the end of his piece. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we're back with Chris Hine uh, for a final segment here on his feature on Anthony Edwards, which it's funny how it, we could turn a 2,000-word article into an hour-long <laughs> podcast somehow. This is content creation Con- at its finest here. You hit me up You hit me up <laughs> after you did the interview. You're like, hey, got a, got a feature coming out on Ant. And I'm like, perfect. Let's go. Let's, this let's is- get, on the, get on the docket. Let's Pod go. fodder. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the, as I mentioned before the break, the... The thing that stood out to me and to be honest, that I didn't feel was super articulated by Ant of how he's going to do this was his multiple statements to you about being in the best shape, his best shape, the best shape in the league, those sort of things. I think we see a ton, as we've been talking about, we see a ton of ceiling in Ant. I, over the three years I've covered him, I see one of the things that could potentially hold him back being his cardiovascular fitness, physical fitness, the shape he's in overall. He's ran into walls with with that, which is somewhat to be expected of all of a sudden you're playing 82 games in a season. But 
it's not crazy to say, given the things we know, and he's publicly said that, you know, he has some dietary things he needs to work on as he gets older, and he has some physical fitness things that he has to work on. So I'm, I'm curious from your conversation with him or with C. Hines about what that part specifically looks like for his growth this summer in terms of just being in, going from being in good shape to great shape. We didn't really get, delve into too many specifics about mm-hmm. that. I think because workouts just tend to change too based on what sure. you're trying to do and what you're trying to focus on um, that particular day as well. Um, he did mention that he was going to be watching what he ate a little better. Um, okay, there was that. Um, I, I, you know, I tend to think sometimes maybe the, you know. Oh yeah, like the hot Cheeto or the hot fries thing. It gets it gets overblown. I think it gets overblown. But Chris, it can be both, man. Though it it can be both. It's like it's overblown, and I think simultaneously, it's fair to say. I don't don't think think we need to like you know kind of stigmatize. Oh, Ant just eats terrible all the time. Right, that's not the case. Well, it's not Um, accurate. That it isn't. It isn't that he does that all the time. He's not. He doesn't have a unilaterally terrible diet. But could it be better? I think it's fair to say that it could his diet could be better and his physical did have a quote um in our interview where he said like you know what kind of fuel is he putting into his body like is it you know is it premium gasoline or is it regular you know he's like i don't know right Right? you know you know kind of along those lines right um but ant did say that he was going to be watching his diet a little more he started um having a kind of footwork and agility coach as well this summer and that's he's I guess maybe that's one specific that's okay. maybe a little different. Um, one of the people that is in there um, among the people that I mentioned um, that he's going to be working out with is a, is a footwork and agility coach. Um, so I think that's a little different. It's going to be one of the workouts he does. Uh, that's a uh, Lily Abdul Malik. If I'm, hopefully I'm saying that correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I noticed that name in there. I, yeah, I didn't recognize agility trainer that he's yeah. been working out with. So that's a little bit new for him. Um, and we'll see kind of what the what the results of that are. I, I think it'll be in, you know probably this is this is something that will open training camp with where we can maybe ask them like yeah, you know you said you wanted to be in the best shape possible. Mm-hmm. How did you right go about that in the summer mm-hmm. and what what did your kind of routine look like? Um, so and um, and the only reason it, we bring it up is because right if the stated goal is MJ, mm-hmm. there's little room to fudge around right like yeah, you kind of yes. gotta be like 10 out of 10 in almost everything right, right? like <laughs> exactly yeah um the big thing with him was you know from year two to year three treatment became a much bigger deal to him mm. so that was a big yeah, focus like that. throughout the season just the maintenance of his body making sure he's doing the things afterwards or on off days or before you know just taking the time to come in and do those kind of work that mm-hmm. kind of work and in routine as well, which is something that wasn't always there early in his career. So that's a, that's a big step as well was, was the maintenance of it all. Yeah. I, I liked that uh, quote from C Hines when he said, when he first came in, he was like, let's roll the ball out and play. Second year was like, I'm not hurt. So I'm not going in. Now he's understanding maintenance. And, and that's kind of been his physical growth, which I think, you know, we all get like when you're 19, you kind of feel like, you can play it. Let's just roll the ball out there and and play. But then in his second year, right, that knee tendinopathy thing kind of comes right. up, and you're like, "What? What is this?" You know, and right. and maintenance over the course of an 82 game season when you play as many games and as many as many minutes as Ant does, and he's passionate about doing clearly maintenance along the way is critical. And I think right. what C Hines is saying there is he he gets that now, and and that you're like there's all these different things that go into best shape, the fuel you're putting into your body, the work you're doing, but also the taking care of your body when you're relaxing or just getting that, that work done, which is just maintenance on, on your body. I I heard plenty of anecdotes of that over the course of the season too, that ants taking that part a lot more seriously. And yeah, he missed some games this year, but that was a sprained ankle. It wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't the, gradual impact of 82 games that seemed to really put him out this season. And I think that was a product of growing in 
the work he's doing on on the training table. Hundred percent, and there were there were nights where I, I, I think I think back to the to that one Houston game, the, the one they won, and I I I still think that I, I've never confirmed that with him. But I still think he was not expecting to play that particular night, and I think it was after he had like. I don't think it was after he banged his hip or or what what whatever whatever was ailing him that at that yeah I think it was shortly after the Milwaukee the hip burst. right it was after the Milwaukee thing where he banged his hip and you know he wasn't sure if he was going to play and he sh- I, he showed up at the arena late that day mm-hmm. and I don't think he was expecting to play and then he played right like you know <laughs> that that to me was kind of one of the but it was one of the defining moments of his season. I feel like for him and just where his mindset was or where the team's mindset was sure. with him, where it's like, you got to push through it a little bit here. Mm-hmm. You know, like the wolves, I don't think and the, the culture that Chris Finch has been trying to set is one of, you can't let some soreness prevent you from playing. If you're injured and you have an injury, that's a different thing, but you, you got to kind of push through and be available. Yeah. To, to play even when you're not a hundred percent and super rested or or what have you um and that's been kind of the, a tone i think finch has been trying to set since the moment he got here for sure it is if you're a little bit soreness is a little bit different than injury and you gotta find a way and that's a big thing for ant i think and, and maintenance goes along with that because all right you still need to be in as good of shape as you can get as close to that hundred percent marker as you can get this is a part of that right. but you also still need to be available to play and taking games off isn't necessarily going to be the way to maintain you or you know you know at the load management term you know is... well and ant seems to be on board with that right yeah, yeah. like you know and it's, it's it's harder when you are sore and you got to go through it and you got to get the the work done but ant wants to play i don't have any doubts about that he's not trying to take off nights here and there and to the finch point and the organizational point of like yeah he is set to get a 200 plus million dollar contract extension this summer like that comes with some expectations too that some expectations that have become muddied by the load management stuff i mean you look at the the clippers and what some of those players who are making that much money aren't doing but I think there's kind of this battle that a lot of teams face of getting their best players to play as much as they reasonably can. And I think a good sign with Ant is he's on board with that. He's not he's not looking to load manage uh, at at this point in his career. And and you know there's some fair things about load management too. Like it it I I know I said during the season that sometimes like that probably after the Houston game of like. And kind of looks like Ant could use a day off, you know, and and yeah, and it's it's yeah. all it's all a balance there, but it's but it's about the player having the right mindset to want to do as much as they reasonably should be expected to do. And I I don't have I don't have that concern with Ant because I think that's separate than some of the being in great shape stuff, right? That that's what we're talking about. There's those different buckets. I think Ant is passionate about that. And I think if you're the Timberwolves and you're looking at forking over $200 million to him, that's something you feel, uh, you know, you should feel really good about as, as an organization. What stood out to you from uh, when you did ask him about the, the contract extension this summer and, and where his, his head is at about this getting Rudy money. (laughs) It was, it was, it wasn't a comment for too much. It was really just one question. Yeah. Um, and he just said, he's like, I'm not doing this for the money. I want to be known as a great player. Mm-hmm. You know, the very safe political <laughs> answer to that right. question, right? Um, so, and that was basically it. There wasn't, there wasn't much else other other than that. I, it was asked and it was answered. Right, so, right. That's, uh, that's all I got for you there. <laughs> no, I understand. So let's just run through quick. I don't think I've mentioned these numbers specifically uh, on the pod. Mm-hmm. The the contract he will likely be offered at the beginning of July when they can offer that is a five-year $204 million extension um, with where you can write in into the contract as I would expect um, it will be written that if he makes all NBA next season then he jumps up from a 25% max player to a 30% max player which would make that a five-year 
$245 million contract. It's the same contract that Ja Morant signed a year ago. Ja did not make All-NBA for reasons we're not going to get into uh, on this, but that's the same sort of proposition um, that Ant and the Timberwolves face is he'll be offered a five-year, $204 million contract at minimum. And then if he does make All-NBA next season, it could go up to as high as five years, $245 million, which is another $50 million player uh, on the books, which is uh, crazy to think about in the context of this team. But obviously something that I think is a, a no-brainer um, to to offer him. And uh, I just hope that that all goes swimmingly and th- it's signed and we see about all NBA next year. Again, it would be pretty unprecedented if Ant didn't uh, uh, agree to that to that contract. Uh, anything else stick out randomly uh, from this? I had the a line about Nas. You want to touch on that? Yeah, I asked him. I said, you know, uh, I saw you and Nas had had some pictures together in Miami or wherever it was that they were. I said, you know, how much are you hoping that they re-sign Nas? And he's like, I pray for it. I'm praying <laughs> for it. It's like yeah. that's my brother, you know. So yeah. he's he's praying that they re-sign Nas. Um, I, I he just he talked really highly about Rudy, um, yeah. you know, and just the the partnership there, and and I think that stood out to me, and, sure. and the tone with which he talked about just you know, hey, I, I I love Rudy. He's like he's great. Um, about again, want to go to France in the off season. You know, one of the one of the quotes he had too was that he felt like at the end of the season he had kind of figured out how to operate yeah. with two bigs on the floor. And I think he said it was fun once he figured it out. Right. <laughs> that was the, that it was, was actually fun. It was actually fun once I figured it out, man. I'm looking forward to yeah. it again. So yeah. that's as, as a I lot think of that's, I think that's uh, that's where you know the Denver series was probably a big help to him because that point. was probably a big a, a big moment for him was a breakthrough maybe happened there where something like, to oh, point to of like to oh to, right, this right. this you know this can work. Here's an example of it. Here's some tape of yeah. it. Um, yeah, and that's going to be right. Like, and that's one of the challenges he faces as well next season is not only in his individual growth, but in growing within a team concept. Right. And he happens to play for a team that has a more rigid construct in the way that their, the roster is made up with the, the two bigs. And that's what, that's what I've said all throughout the season was the part I wasn't focused on was Carl and Rudy. The part I was focused on was Rudy and Ant, and where that wasn't growing on. Actually, you know, I've, as we both talked about or written about a ton, the Carl and Rudy together part often worked. Um, it was, it was about how Rudy worked with others uh, on the team. You know, some players like Mike Conley, or Kyle Anderson, it functioned better than, you know, D'Angelo Russell or, you know, whoever, Ant, uh, that it wasn't working as as seamlessly. That is a big part, should be a big part of, of Ant Summer as well as figuring out how do I fit within this roster construction. And, I mean, going to France, maintaining a dialogue with Rudy, what more can you really ask than putting in the work, which it sounds like he he will do this summer. Hundred percent, and I think that's where they're at. And you know, if they run it all back and, and they do stick to kind of the same kind of top six, yeah, uh, that they have right now, and maybe some of the bench changes around it. But if the same main six guys are back, we'll see how much more seamless it is. Right. Um, I, I anticipate it would be at least significantly better than. Right. We saw at the beginning of last season, and, and you know, in their mind, they're hoping that that West Coast trip before the rest of the season kind of went to hell. From right. there, uh, is kind of the that's the, goal, the thing to the hold goal on for to. next year. Yeah, yeah. that's that, that those couple of games are what they're hanging on to for for hope for next year. And I would remind them that Nas Reed was an important part of correct. That. I would remind them Nas Reed <laughs> was a big part of that too. Yep, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, a lot of different stuff is going to happen uh, over the, the course of the mm-hmm. summer or even inaction is something with this team, too, and that it it will illustrate which direction this team uh, is moving forward uh, for next year. I'm You'll be all over it. Um, 
as we get to you know June, the draft in June and free agency in July, and and we'll continue uh, talking about it. But I think this was uh, this was a really good you know kind of setting the table uh, article in not that's about the future of the franchise player, but is really also about the team uh, as a whole because Ants, if he hasn't already become is going to become the the straw that that stirs the drink. So I think, uh, yeah, if listeners, if you haven't read uh, Chris's article yet, head over to uh, StarTribune.com and check it out. There's a handful of different things that we didn't even uh, touch on in this somehow in an hour. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I thought it was great, Chris, and I appreciate you, uh, appreciate you coming on to dig into it in a little bit more detail. No problem. Anytime. Uh, again, go over to StarTribune to, to read that article. Uh, as always, you can... Follow Chris on Twitter at Christopher Hine, and he's tweeting out all his articles there too. If you're looking to hone in on a specific place to go, to go read that, um, head over to his Twitter feed again at Christopher Hine. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. I'll be back uh, to talk with you not about the Wolves, but about the the conference finals, the the first two games of them uh, with Brit on on Thursday morning. Uh, until then, he's Chris. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah